Blog Talk Radio. Time with Pastor Steph. Listening group, and 
listener, I trust that God has been keeping you well ever since we were together on Friday. And it wasn't an exciting weekend for me. I hope you had an exciting weekend. And, you know, being away from you all is always an adjustment, always an adjustment. Not being able to talk to you. It's not like you talk back to me all the time. But I know you're out there. And I know you're listening. And I know that we will have, you know, subsequent listeners. Even though you may not be with me first thing in the morning from our 7 to 9 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. But I know that you will listen. And, you know, I just... Yesterday, I was a little more productive than I was on Monday. You know, I just talked to the Lord a little bit more. I did a little more studying. And, you know, I give God thanks for being able to, you know, just function. You know, a lot of people wake up and they don't have, you know, that, ability to function. You know, they don't know what they want to do when they get up. They don't know what they have to do. You know, they're kind of migrating around aimlessly. But I give God thanks because although I couldn't necessarily go back and listen to any broadcast, I was able to just open up my Bible and read and get what God has for me. Do a little more praying. I actually now with you. Yesterday I was out for a little while and I actually bought a pillow. Now, you know, I was asked, Why why are you buying a pillow? Well, I can't kneel on the I I can't I, I had for quite a while I had stopped kneeling because I couldn't get up. <laughs> now, that doesn't mean that I'm big and fat and I can get my knees. I have a lot of problems with my knees. But I couldn't get up off the floor. So I actually stopped kneeling to pray. And it's just been really bothering me lately. And I was like, what are you going to do about this? Because... You know, there's something about being in that position. Very humbling, you know, toward God. and It's just different. So yesterday I was out for a little bit and I had to go out to run an errand. And I was able to get a pillow. So today I'll actually try out my pin pillow. And... I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it. You know, I said my prayer this morning before I got on with you all to say good morning. And I had not, you know, I haven't gotten down on my knees yet, but when I finish this morning, I will. So you all pray for Pastor Seth that getting up off that floor is going to be quite easier for me to do it. So, you know, I, I uh, you know, I did some extra reading yesterday, and I began a new study, 
I'm kind of looking forward to, you know, the, the topics are really, really interesting. So, you know, I use this as an opportunity to refocus, rededicate myself, you know, to get, you know, spend a little more time with God. So what did you do? What did you do? I hope you spent a little more time with the Lord, some personal time, not just go back to sleep. <laughs> but giving God thanks today, because today is Wow Wednesday, and you know what we do over here on Easy Time with Pastor Step on Wednesday morning, and you know I am excited. So we are in the middle of the week already, and God has brought us safely to this point. Where did the week go already? We are, I mean, halfway through already. But somebody needs to tell me this. What is with all, not just the rain, but this thundering, this hurricane-type rain episodes we have. I mean, woo, 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 and the cracking of the um, the thunder, and it's loud, and I said to myself, I said, Jesus, I gotta make sure that I am in right standing with you, because if this is any indication as to how you're going to talk the sky, and how many people are going to be looking up and watching this and won't be included? I said, oh, no. Oh, no, yes. You know, the Bible tells us that whoever is here and alive, when Jesus returns in that first resurrection, you're going to actually be watching. Yeah. I don't want to see it. I don't want to watch because that means I'm going to be left. No thank you, no thank you, and no thank you. So I've been, you know, really, really talking to the Lord and saying, Lord, if there's something, anything that I have not done, that I am not doing, that you're unhappy with, that I need to improve, that I need to change, that I need to be checked on, then please have your way. Because I surely don't want to get left. Man, I'm telling you, last week we had an episode of, that first episode of that really bad thunder. And it's not long, but when I tell you it's powerful, now, some people have managed to sleep through that. And I'm like, how in the world are you thinking through that? Well, again, when Jesus cracks that sky, ain't nobody going to be sleep. Except for those who are already dead. And man, oh man, oh man. I just ask God to snatch me by the collar as much as you, as, as much as you need to. Because I need to know when I'm not doing right. So, 
please. I don't know. Somebody tell me what's going on. What's going on with the weather? Now, I know it's all God's doing. But are we experiencing, like, some leftover from or some residual? I know that'll happen sometimes, but I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But uh, all I know is get ready. Get ready. Get ready for Jesus to return. Because chances are, if we're here now, we probably won't be here or be amongst the dead who will rise first to meet him. And uh, I, I just, I, like I said, I don't want to be watching this from here. Oh. Oh, there she goes. There she goes. I was kind of holding off till she got on. But um, we have a wonderful day. I'm sure God has something wonderful prepared for us today, given God's thanks so he woke us up. And, uh, I'm going to give you an opportunity to go get that healthy breakfast. Go tell somebody that if you time with past the step is on, and whatever you do, uh, don't go anywhere because we will be right back. You've probably heard about the benefits of breastfeeding for your baby, but did you know that there are health benefits for you as well? Women who breastfeed have less risk of breast and ovarian cancer and have less postpartum depression. Breastfeeding also helps women recover faster. Breastfeeding is natural for you and your baby, but there are some skills you can learn that can make it easier. So speak up. Ask questions about breastfeeding before your baby is born and while you're in the hospital. A public service message brought to you by the Joint Commission and the Newborn Channel. Good morning and good morning again. Welcome back to It's Due Time with Pastor Steph. And it is Wow Wednesday. Uh, so, giving God thanks that He has brought us safely through the beginning of the week. Although we did not have an opportunity to connect, I do hope and pray that you connected with the Lord those extra couple of hours and you didn't just jump back in the bed and go to sleep but you did some reading or some studying or some praying you know but uh, we are going to continue to keep in prayer Pastor Charlotte who has not been with us for the past few weeks as she's recovering please keep our minister Michelle who is recovering um, from her illness as well. Alden Aitisha will not be with us today. So please keep her lifted in prayer. She is well. Just uh, has to meet work obligations. 
and uh, just be with us in prayer and partnership. All right? Okay, well, this is our first day of the week, and we are looking for our girl Vivian to show up and show out. So let's say good morning to Vivian. Good morning, Vivian. Good morning. Happy Wild Wednesday. Welcome back. How are you, Pastor Steph? Well, thank you very much. I am well, thanks. How are you, Viv? I'm well, thank you. Good. What would you do with those extra couple of hours? Um, well, I, I couldn't go back to sleep either way because I had to get up and get to work, but I just took the time to, you know, talk to God a little bit longer listen to some gospel music on my way to work since I didn't have the broadcast to listen to. I just spend time with him in that manner and that way. Okay, okay, okay. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. Well, what you got for us today, Vivian? Okay, today on Socially Conscious, we are starting off with updates on the migrant situation. Reports say that the former Creedmoor Psychiatric Center out in Queens Village has successfully been transformed into the latest emergency relief center for the asylum seekers. So the new state-funded facility has a maximum capacity of 1,000 beds designed solely for adult men with the first 100 beds already filled as of yesterday. As residents are protesting and expressing concerns for their health and safety, the powers that be have made sure to announce there will be screening for active tuberculosis. They will be, there will be a skin exam for chickenpox and varicella, varicella and a COVID test will be done on everyone coming in and also there will be security guards at every part of the tent working 24-7. So they're just trying to, you know, ensure everyone that their health and safety has been taken under consideration and that they're doing their part in their minds <laughs> to make sure that, you know, everyone is safe. And the biggest news to me is as we have talked about, Mayor Adams is asking, waiting, and hoping for federal funding. But federal officials say that they have already given $140 million to New York City alone, which is more money than they have given any other city. So federal funding is not going to be easily available. Not to say that they're not going to give out any more money because we know, you know, they have a heart for these migrants. So maybe they will, but it's not going to come easily as they have already dished out $140 million to New York City alone. So it's going to be a while and it's going to be a fight for them to continue to get more federal funding and just to deal with this whole migrant situation. Next, we are heading to Missouri with an interesting story. Reports say Missouri's largest school district is now one of nearly 900 districts across 26 states that are transitioning to or already have 
transition to a four-day schedule in order to tackle teacher shortages. So they are um, planning, or in some cases, they have already had it to where the academic school week begins on Tuesdays. And they are planning to have occasional five-day school weeks here and there as they can. And, of course, parents are concerned about child care on those Mondays. And the district has opened up a few options for those who need it, including a $30 a day child care program, as well as educational programs for those who need additional support after the learning loss. Additionally, they're saying that high school students can now partner with nearby colleges to earn dual credits upon graduation. They're saying with this new change, teacher applications have been coming in in droves. Officials say the number of teacher applications they have received this school year was more than fourfold as it was the previous year. So this is definitely a trend many people are hoping spreads to other states. But it's kind of sad to see that, you know, teacher shortages are that bad in some places that they have to resort to doing a four-day school week. What is this going to mean for the kids and their education? What is it going to mean for their safety? Because, um, you know, if you don't have child care, you start making some real – uh, questionable decisions when it comes to, you know, your child being taken care of during those during that during those times that they're not in school. So it will be interesting to see how this all turns out. Speaking of shortages, reports say school bus driver shortages forces some districts to delay openings. They say it was so bad on the first day of school for some kids that parents reported their kids were not dropped off at home until 10 p.m. on the first day of school out in Kentucky, which holds the largest school district, um, Jefferson County Public Schools, with a school pop, a student population of 96,000 students. One mom says her child was stranded at school because she was left without an assigned bus route. Mom says when she finally was able to make it to the school, it looked like the entire school was in the cafeteria waiting to be picked up. So reports say that bus delays have also impacted school openings in Lee County, Florida, leading students to arrive as much as 40 minutes late to school. Similarly, they're dealing with the same thing out in Kansas. Numerous students experienced latenesses both on their first day of school and their return home. So school officials request patience as bus contractors manage driver shortages and first day setbacks. And it's just a mess, but I don't feel bad. I'm sorry. (laughs) Children are driving these people out of their professions. And, of course, as always, you know, People just don't make enough. The teachers don't make enough. The bus drivers are not making enough. And nobody wants to deal with these kids no more. But hopefully they'll figure something out soon because kids get home at 10 o'clock p.m. is just crazy when they have school the next day. 
and they're still trying to figure this out and run the school and the after-school programs and things like that. So it's just been a mess for those people who have already started schools, for those states that have already started school. But hopefully they'll figure everything out soon. And now we have our wow story of the week. We have a listener-submitted story of a prison guard who says she had a stillbirth because her job refused to let her leave. So Cecilia Issa says she began feeling contraction-like pains after clocking into work. Ms. Issa was seven months pregnant. She says she informed her supervisor she was feeling pains, and rather than rush her to the hospital, her supervisor kept her at her post for hours despite her repeated requests to leave. She says her supervisor told her, quote, you're just lying, end quote. Issa says she called him several times pleading to leave, and each time she was told to stay put, the lawsuit says Issa said she had finally been given permission to leave two and a half hours later. In intense pain, she made her way to her car and drove herself to a local medical center. The lawsuit says once there, she was wheeled into an exam room where she began bleeding. Hospital staff searched for the baby's heartbeat but could not find one. She said, according to the lawsuit, she was hurried into surgery to save the child. It was delivered stillborn. Issa said hospital staff told her if she had arrived sooner, they could have saved the baby. So, of course, she is suing. In her lawsuit, she is arguing that the state caused the death of her child, who had been healthy and without complications before being born stillborn. She is requesting an unspecified amount of money to recover medical costs, mental anguish, and other reported damages. This is just a very sad story. It kind of goes along with the shortages, but maybe this is just, you know, a case of someone not being compassionate towards another person. Maybe it had nothing to do with, you know, employee shortages, but... My question is, why didn't she just walk out? There's no way that I would have sat there in pain um, being pregnant and being worried about my child for no job. I just would have been unemployed at that point. But this has been Vivian with Socially Conscious, giving you the news that we are following. And remember, if you have any wow stories you would like to submit, please feel free to direct message me on Facebook. Thank you, as always, to our loyal listeners, and thank you, Pastor Steps. Thank you, Vivian. I think I got everything with the exception for there's a billion or million. I got to I gotta figure, I got to see um, in one of your stories. Oh, okay, so in the first story about the migrants, New York City has been or New York State has been given 140 million or billion dollars. Million. Million. Okay. Let me just make sure I correct that. I don't want to make our uh, Mayor Adams sound like you know he really had a whole lot more money than he did. 
Thank you so much for your news today, as always. You're welcome. As long as you can, just to clarify any, you know, situations we need to uh, clear up, okay? Okay. It's a bunch. Thanks. Have a good day. You too. All righty. Well, we have our ladies rearing and ready to go. So let's get this party started. Let's talk to our Lady Tamika. Good morning, Lady Tamika. Monday on a Wednesday. Hello. How are you? (laughs) (laughs) Man, we are getting real creative here on this due time. I like that. I like that. I think you said, but I'm going to get my thing in one way or the other. I'm going to get it in. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> How are you? I am fine. How are you this morning? I am well. Thank you. Missing everybody going through withdrawal. But um, I'm doing well. Thank you. Doing well. Glad to have you on with us this morning. And you have first leg at our story over at Creedmoor. You know, we talked about when they became the location for our migrant housing. They were putting up those tents and stuff over there. And at that time, it was just talk. Well, as Vivian has so informed us, they have set up 1,000 beds, and the first 100 beds have been filled. Now, they are screening for TB, chicken pox, I guess MMR, um, COVID, and they have security. Now, is this is this a something that is going to settle you in the fact that Creedmoor has opened up to the migrant? I just, I just worry in general, you know, um, you, okay. So you fill the hundred beds. Um, we have many more than a hundred that need to be placed, you know, and then once they're placed, you know, when you have a bunch of people in a place like that, you know, you can have all types of uproar. You know, I'm, I'm glad that they have security, you know. And there's still, even with just what you mentioned, there's still so much more that needs, needs to be accomplished. Um, it is a step in the right direction. You know, it kind of feels like baby steps. You know, I, I had said it before, and I'm going to say it again. You know, we really didn't think about this thing prior to making the steps you know now you know let's let's you know we're, we're doing a tea a teaspoon when in actuality what we need is a whole bowl but you know at least we're doing yeah. something okay 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 you know they're um i don't know you know i'll i'll, I'll put our girl shanties on before i give my comments Comments rather. Let's say good morning to our girl Shantice. Good morning, Shantice. Good morning. How are you? 
That's fine, thank you. How are you, ladies? Well, thank you, well, thank you. Now, again, there's been talk. It's not a surprise that they're over on the grounds of Creedmoor. They're outside because we know that they can't, you know, literally let the migrants in onto, you know, the, the facility per se. But a thousand beds on the ground. Now, it is a large ground. I have to tell you, I, I've been over there, and it's a lot of property, a lot of property. But, you know, even with them, you know, giving them, um, you know, checking them for TB, MMR, chicken pox, COVID, you know, what what's the safety you feel with having up to 1,000 people, men, over on the ground, of this uh, facility, open. It's an open. It's open now. Is I know it's August, but it won't be August for much longer. And you know they've already proven to us that there is no plan. They've just been winging this entire thing. So it's like, God forbid, it's no tomorrow because this weather is just so unpredictable. Now you got 1,000 people sleeping outside in the snow. Um, there's, it's a, you know, a good thing that they're being tested for, you know, any illnesses or anything because you definitely don't want them, you know, before you even think about them being around anyone else. You definitely, definitely don't want them walking around um, sick. And then at the same time, my mind goes to, but how many of you guys are walking around randomly with COVID kits and tuberculosis kits and whatever else to the random homeless people that are here? And, you know, there are so, how many trucks have there been, vans have there been? And unless we walk up to them, we don't get tested. You know, so my mind goes, there as well again it's kind of like an insult to those of us who are here who don't you know have any place to live or anything like that that have not been getting this kind of care um then my mind goes to so if I'm an inmate at Creedmoor that is a psychiatric facility I look outside and I see a bunch of people sleeping because I may not realize it's a thousand people because if I sit there and I count all those beds and I'm really losing it. Um, I look outside and I see a bunch of people out there laid out. What is that doing to my psyche? You know, um, it, it's just so many different things just, just go through. Um, I have I have not seen the area, but like you said, Pastor Steph, I have heard that it is a lot of space over there. Um, again, it's, okay, that may solve the issue for where they sleep tonight, but are there any provisions for tomorrow? And God forbid someone escapes from in there and a thousand people are on the ground sleeping. <laughs> now you have an escape inmate running around the ground 
potentially related to God knows what, you know, and maybe, you know, they'll have tight security, you know, I'm not sure, but it, it's so many different things on both sides just, just come, come to mind, and it's, they, they continue to prove that there, there still isn't, after all this time, there still isn't a real solid plan. Okay. Well, let me clarify something for you. So I've opened up an article regarding this particular site. And there, it, it is a, an enclosed tent. And you cannot see in. So I guess if the, the residents, which they're not inmates, they are residents. <laughs> it's a psychiatric okay. center. It is not a facility. So the residents of Creedmoor, if they were to look out, they would see a huge. And um, my concern is, like you said, when the inclement weather begins, because this is not, remember, this is just a tent. It's not, you know, weatherproofed or, you know, anything like that. But they say, and I will read, it says, the huge emergency site, which is being funded by the state, is made up of four structures, including two tents that can sleep 850 and 150 men each, as well as a check-in and dining facility. There's also portable showers and toilets on site. Now I, I'm going to say this. You, if you if you look, you'll see the cots that are there, and you know under each cot there are boxes, or it looks like every so many um, the rows of beds. There the makeshift pillows on each bed. Um, I guess maybe underneath there are um, blankets. Um, they have they show you this row of showers and things like that. My my thought is, and, and see, this really makes me go back to um, what we've been saying all along. Where was all of this for our veterans, our homeless people from New York? You couldn't do any of this, despite the fact that this is, you know, um, temporary. But I have to tell you, now, if you think about it, from the time we initially spoke about this setup over at Creedmoor, and now to the point where they've, I mean, erected this huge tent, got these... 1,000 cots put there, this makeshift toilets and um, showers. This is not something you can put up in five minutes, but they managed to put it up in five minutes. I'm, I'm amazed. I'm amazed. I'm amazed. I am amazed. At but there's still, it's, I'm sorry, Pastor 
and that that's one of the things that kept coming because it not only that but you're still not looking for those who are here who right are from here who are still homeless so it's not even like okay y'all allowing the the migrants to come and you're like okay well you know what we're doing this for them now let's rally up all of our people as well you're still neglecting those who are here and giving all of this to the migrants there still has not been any rallying of like you said the veterans or just homeless you know homeless people it's it's amazing yeah this this is this is interesting our our, our pastor Kim has joined us so let's say good morning good point Shanti thank you Good morning, Pastor Kim. Good morning. Thank you so much for joining us this morning, filling in our gap for us. Uh, always, in, you know, wonderful to have you with us. How are you today? I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good. Too blessed to be stressed. I'm in the numbers, so I'm thankful and grateful. How are you all doing today? Amen. I am well. Thank you. I am well. So here in New York, Pastor Kim, we have a psychiatric facility out here in Queens, and it has huge ground, huge, huge, huge amount of real estate, you know, I don't want to say real estate, but ground, acres and acres and acres Mm -hmm. of just green grass and all of that kind of stuff. And what they've done is in New York, they've been popping up with all of this uh, space they are now using to house our migrants. And they have put, in a matter of a couple of months, they have put uh, a huge tent, an enclosed tent, up for 1,000 men. They have 1,000 cots. Um, Vivian said that the first 100 beds have been filled as of yesterday. I was looking at a news article, and I will read again. They say the huge emergency site, which is being funded by the state, is made up of four structures, two tents that can sleep 850 and then 150 men each, as well as a check-in and dining facility. And then there's a whole row of portable showers and toilets on site. Now, this is outside. So this is amazing to me. Yeah, this is amazing to me now. The portable toilets are not a huge thing for me because, you know, you know that they have the porta potties and things like that. But you've managed Mm -hmm. to put in showers, a row of showers, portable showers, for these migrants. Now, let me ask you something. Out, out in Michigan, what have they been doing? Do you have this whole influx of migrants that they need to house? Is this the same issue that we're going through here in New York City? Not that I know of. Wow. Not, not that, not, it, um, um, if they do, I'm, I'm really not familiar with it. Wow, wow, wow. Which means, yeah, Kim, probably not happening because if it was, you'd be hearing about it. 
I mean, if if it's going down like that in New York, then I'm sure that if it was going on like that here, we would know something about that. Yes. That is really something. Yeah, yeah. And this is a matter of months. From the time that they advised us that they wanted to put um, the migrants on the grounds of Creedmoor, it's only been a, a few months. And in a few months, they've managed to do this. Um, they have not done any of this for our homeless population that existed prior to the migrants. And it's wow. an insult. Yeah, it's an insult um, to those of us who are here, whether yeah. I know someone yeah. who's homeless or not. It's an insult. Our veterans have, are living on the street. And we do know that, you know, some people opt to live in the street. We do know that. Everybody does not want to live in a shelter and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. There's a lot of mental illness. But what is what are they saying about the migrant situation? Do you have a migrant situation at all in 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 Michigan? That's, that's something I really need to look into because... Like I said, if it's something that's going on, you know, you're not hearing anyone talk about it on the news or anything to that nature. You know, I I haven't heard anything. Now, you know, um, last year I would hear about them, you know, about the wall and stuff that that, um, uh, this wall or whatever that they were trying to cross over and the stuff that Donald Trump was doing and involved in. But um, just to say that we have it going um, where they are trying to house them here, I am not knowledgeable about that. I'm not. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Well, I have to tell you, we have had over 100,000 um as a matter of fact, they're saying that we, the migrants are still coming into the United States and mm-hmm. we're at like 150,000 cases. No. In, yeah, it's bad. It is, it is really, really, really bad here. So that, that, that there is, yeah, this here is the more recent, like I said, um, you know, they're, they're popping up everywhere with these tent cities, as they call them. But this here, when you get a chance, ladies, just look and and see, um, you know, what this tent city looks like over here at Creedmoor. So this is quite interesting, quite interesting. Yeah, All right. I am. I want to see this. Wow. Yeah, this is, this is interesting, very interesting. Well, speaking of. <laughs> they said Missouri, and I did read this, they're transitioning to a four-day school week, but it's to tackle teacher shortage. Now, I didn't read that. I read that there were some other issues going on, but out of Missouri, they are experiencing this, and they're saying that, now, one of my thoughts is, and Vivian actually spoke about it was, What's going to happen with these children whose parents have to go to work five days, but yet school is only open four days? Well, she did say that they have devised some type of child care at 
$30 a day, which is mm. not the worst thing in the world, but it's not the best when you can't afford it. And they're saying that now you have these, these, these teacher applications that are now pouring in because I guess they've made it known that they've got this teacher shortage. So, Shanti, mm-hmm. you know, what, what's your thought on this short, this short week? And they're doing it in other states. It's not just Missouri, but I did see that they're doing it in some other states. And, you know, what's your thought on even the the $30 a week, I'm sorry, a day um, child care that they're offering? So they're offering $30 a day for child care once school starts because there's a shortage of teachers? Yes. So they've cut back, instead of five days, they've cut back to four mm-hmm. days. Now what they're doing is because parents have to work the extra day because, as Vivian said, they're starting on Tuesday. So parents need to go to work on Monday. So they're opening up, mm-hmm. I guess, some facilities, and they're offering, to, they're charging the parents $30 a day if they need to leave their child, you know, in the facility. Oh, oh. When you first hear it, it's like, oh, only $30 a day. At the same time, those $30 adds up, especially, you know, if um you have other things that you have to, you know, pay for. So I may be sending, you know, my child here with maybe one or two days out the week, but the other days they're going to school because the other days the schools are open and the teachers are there. Um, uh, it sounds it sounds kind of like like a twofold mess in a sense. I mean, it's a really good thing that they they have this option, um, because a lot of people can't afford to take off work. At the same time, with some people, it's like okay, so I can't afford to take off work. I'll go to work, but then I still have to come out of pocket, you know, for this. So it's good that they have this in place because unfortunately there is a shortage um, and hopefully they will be able to hire some really good qualified teachers. Um, We're just hoping that they're able to get this done quickly because it may, this may not be something that a lot of parents will be able to do for a certain amount of time because, you know, you have back to school shopping and, you know, this, that, and the third. So I'm, you know, hoping that maybe the facilities will facilitate, you know, food and snacks and, you know, stuff like that because, God forbid, if not, then that's something else that the parents would have to be concerned with sending the kids with, so on and so forth. So at hearing this at first here, you know, it's really good. Thank God that they have this. It's hoping that they are able to get a lot more qualified teachers in these schools so you know, the the parents can have a little more peace of mind financially. You know, I, I just feel like the only issue would just be the financial part, not the fact that there's nowhere for my child to go this one or two days because there's a shortage of teachers at the school. Okay, okay. Pastor Kim, now, a, certain, a few things crossed my mind, and I'll ask you. So, they have this influx of applications for the teachers, um, from the teachers, people applying. And 
I'm sure, you know, the process is a minute, you know, because you, you got to check backgrounds and all kinds of things, or at least I hope they are be checking backgrounds. How long does mm-hmm. that process tend to take, and what do you think is, is going to be um, like, okay, so they, this is already August, so September. How long do you think it will be before they may be able to start picking up this five-day week again if they start hiring teachers? You know what, that's a good question, you know, because um, I can remember times when they were doing, like, um, like before the school year had ended, um, I remember we were, like, filling in, um, subbing, or what have you, um, because they would pull, like, some of the aides, and they would have the aides um, sub when teachers were out. And it was just a mess. And they, you know, again, we're talking about having the teacher shortage and we've been trying to hire teachers and they would call people in um, to sub. But but just like the teacher shortage, they it, it was like they had a shortage even with getting subs to come in. Wow. And then when they would have when they would have the parapros um, and the A's to fill in, they would only pay us um, $10. What? $10. Yes. That's what they would give us. $10 on top of what we normally get paid. We would only get an additional $10. That's it. Wow. I know. Unbelievable. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Oh, my goodness. How long does it take? Okay, so when you apply to be a teacher, how long does it normally take before you actually get the job? Well, you know, um, just like when I went through um, being hired, um, you know, you go on, go in, you do the interview. Um, after you do the interview, um, they'll have, send you for fingerprints. And then usually after the fingerprints and your background check comes back, um, usually that process should only take um, no more than two weeks. So what I don't understand is why is the process taking so long? Okay, do they have a shortage with people working for, for doing the fingerprints? Or, is you know, to me, it, it all, all seems like it's some kind of systematic system that they have set up to just be able to, save funds. And I okay. could be wrong. But okay, it really okay. makes you wonder. You know what I'm saying? When you think about it, wow. it's like, okay, are y'all just trying to save money? Are y'all trying to keep money in the budget? Or uh, because I just can't see the process taking that long. You know, it's it's just it's it's unbelievable that they would have these um, children to have to be um, in school and not have a teacher for months. And then when they finally uh-huh. get somebody, they get a sub. Then they get used to the sub that's there only for them to snatch them, you know. Right, right, right. Wow. But, but I, I don't understand. You didn't know you had a shortage before June? I don't understand that. Hello. 
Hello. And you didn't notice that you didn't have enough teachers? Because, listen, you know the average of the number of children that will be returning come August, Mm -hmm. September. Those who started August, those who started September. You mean to tell me, what, what were you doing that you didn't notice? Because this could have been taken care of over the summertime. You wouldn't mm-hmm. have had to start the school year if you didn't, you know, um, if you didn't start late. You would, have, you would have been already ahead of the game. You already knew. But they do the same thing. School early, don't they? They do. Yeah, but they they do the same thing. Like um, I believe it was last year that they didn't even have an assistant principal. Wow. Oh my they didn't have a principal. Yeah. Yeah. So imagine that. Wow. I tell you, they they really they really don't do their job well at all. And you're trying to figure mm-hmm. out why the children are so, you know, discombobulated. Yeah. Just from the top. And it it always starts at the top. Wow. Yeah. Ladies and no me, stability. What's your thought? What'd you say, Pastor Kim? No stability, you know. No. And that's important. Not at all. This is this is this is stupid. This is just plain outright stupid. This lack of planning really, really, really falling down on the job. Lady Tamika, what do you say about all of this chaos that's really unnecessary chaos? I feel like either way you're putting uh children in jeopardy. Here's the thing. Um, and I'm looking at it both ways. If you decide that you're doing a four-day school week, now you jeopardize, okay, fine, you're giving $30, but let's just say, for instance, you're giving me $30, but daycare uh, could be 70 You know, here, here, here's the other situation. If I've got more than one child, you know, are you giving me $30 per child or are you giving me just $30? Because that may not necessarily be, be um, conducive for me. Um, the other thing is, you know, and we know for a fact that child care can be, you know, extensive, um, you know, because you, somebody, you're paying somebody else to take care of your child. The other option is leaving your child at home. We know for a fact that children, you, you tell the child to sit right in the corner, even if you're there. <laughs> Nine times out of ten, the child is not going to do it. Right. You know, children are, are inquisitive. They, you know, when they get bored, they find things to do. You know, I remember as a child, my brother took his Spider-Man and put it on the, the light bulb and um, underneath the lamp, wow. and it caught on fire. You know, and I'm literally wow. watching him, you know, as a child. This is just something that he wanted to do. He was playing with his little Spider-Man, and you think, oh, nothing's going to happen as a child. He stuck it up against the light that had been on for hours, and it literally started to singe, and it caught on fire. So, you know, you leaving your child at home is not a good thing. You know, and then, you know, leaving it with, leaving your child with someone who, okay, listen, I, I, I just got to get work. Yeah, I, I got to get to work. Can you take care of my child? You have to do the work, the extra work, because we've seen many instances where you leave your child with a boyfriend, uh, with a sister, with, you know, a friend, and now your child is, their life is either in jeopardy or, you know, they're, they're expiring. The other thing is, if you, you know, then my thing is why not, like you said, pay staff to do it. But then here's the thing. If you're giving them just a little bit, you're going to end up with not the cream of the crop, but the bottom. 
You know, okay, you give them $10. Oh, right. I, I need the $10. Then you get those type of people who I come in and I get enough to get to 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 um to help my habit or I get I, I only needed $100. So I work enough days to get $100 and now I'm out. Or I'm not really concerned about the child's welfare. I'm just here to get checked. So I'm not really concerned about whether you're learning. I'm not concerned about you applying yourself. So all of these things play a role in whatever choice you make, but you need to make the right one. Right. And like you said, towards right. the end of the year, uh, you know that so many people left. Um, you know, you might not know someone who may be leaving before the prior year, but you know, okay, we just lost 25 people in this particular area. So why not right. automatically start recruiting? You know, and, and you've got to do the work as staff because you're, you're responsible for this child's welfare. Yep. There's so many problems with, with the, the school, and I agree with you 100%, ladies. You know, there's so many problems that come from this negligence. You have to register your children by a certain time. So you you have already an estimated amount of children who will be returning for the following year. So you do have that estimation. Now you've got an estimate of how many teachers are going to return. Now, there's some that may drop off during summertime, but ain't that many dropping off during summertime that you are all that shocked about. So you, you, you should have somebody on standby call on the waiting list so you can just call them for them to come and, you know, see if they can show up from August or September. For you not to have this um, in place, now you're causing, like, like you have said, a residual problem into the home. Because not only, like uh, Lady Tamika said, we've, we've heard stories of the boyfriend killing the children because mom left to go to work. We've heard of the older children being left in the house with the younger children, and there was uh, uh, dangerous situations and deaths and things like that. You know, it, it, we've heard of grandparents now being the, the perpetrators and the culprits in, you know, the, the murdering and um, hurting children. So even grandparents aren't as reliable as they once were because they're being used and abused and they don't want to and people are not paying attention and they're just dropping these children off. So there's a lot of things that you're now leaving in the home. Children being latchy key kids, they left home by themselves. And this is one big fat mess that had someone done their job you would not have this problem. I cannot imagine this school system being in place for hundreds of years and you just can't seem to get this together. This, this is very, very poor planning, very poor uh, preparation for our children, really. And you're putting a hardship on the teachers that are there. And then like Pastor Kim said, then you only want to add a couple of dollars to what they're already getting. People need incentive, unfortunately. And, you know, I, listen, 
I keep telling people I have three. Y'all can have them kids. I didn't know that I, I'll preach. I teach the Bible. Y'all can have them kids. Uh-uh. I, can, I can't. Mm-mm. I don't want nobody kid all day. That's all right. Thank you, Jesus, that there are people like Pastor Tim and other teachers that can do because that, that's just too much. That's just too much. And it's becoming too much on teachers. We have to think about it. They are human. They have their own lives. They have their own issues. And to endure, you know, this situation that they have to face each and every day, oh, this is, this is, this is a lot. This is a lot. Oh, my goodness gracious. Well, our next story talks about the school bus shortage. Now, the driver shortage. Now, you know, based on our stories about these school bus drivers, the matrons, the age, we cannot afford for our children to be on these buses. Oh, my goodness. Um, Without the proper staffing. I did read that the first um, two days of school, the children were not dropped off at home until 10 o'clock at night. That's how bad it was. Now, you can name the problem that comes from having to drop off children at 10 o'clock at night. And, you know, um, Vivian says this is going on um, Kentucky. Uh, Florida, Kansas, boy, we're in trouble, Pastor Kim. We are so in trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, your, your child being dropped off at 10 o'clock at night from a school bus. What goes through mm-hmm. your head? Mm-hmm. I, I, I couldn't imagine being a parent waiting for my kid just normally coming home no later than 5 o'clock, and then here they come five hours later. I, I, I just, I, I couldn't, I, I wouldn't be able to, uh, I don't know what I would do. I would probably be somewhere at the police station looking for mine, you know, because <clears throat> that's just unacceptable. And my thing yep. is what baffles me is that after, how after... Um, COVID and everything, how people, um, what everybody talk about, you know, they can't get a job. But it's like everybody was hiring. Everybody is yes. still hiring, yes. supposedly. Yes. But these people don't want to work. I, I'm confused. Mm-hmm. They're not getting the unemployment anymore. So help me make it make sense to why these people don't want a job. I don't know. I, I don't. I can't understand it, Pastor Steph. I I just can't understand why these people don't want to go to work. And while we're talk, sitting here talking about all of this school stuff, I just got because they still must have me on this group text, and I just got this text saying that they're that they have hundreds of people. Let me tell you what it says. It says. Hundreds of staff have expired badges. Wow. So, is that something? It just came through from the wow. school that I used to work at. Wow. So that's going to be another issue now that all of these people, please don't tell me that they're not going to be able to come to work if until they get their, their badge. Um, 
uh, renewed or whatever. Wow, wow, wow. <laughs> another crack. It's another crack. And see him. And, and, and then with us, they're moving. What they're doing is consolidating schools now. So look at this. I was working at a middle school, but now they have moved all of the middle school students until until the high school. Okay, mm. so now you got a middle school students are going to be sharing the school right. with the high school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now you know that's not yeah. good. That is not a good chemistry, Pastor Kim. Wow, wow. So, uh, so now the elementary is elementary, but the middle school and the high school are now merged. So they made so they made our middle school an elementary school now. They put a new playground out. Um, they've just made it all together. Um, uh, they they brought one of the other reference schools over into that building. And so my thing is, you, what about us that had badges that worked for that school? So now we're going to have to have new badges to go into right. another school uh, facility. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Wow. Boy, what I, this is just poor preparation across the board. Crazy. Crazy, crazy, crazy. Wow. Oh, Lady Tamika, 10 o'clock at night. They're dropping the child at home. What goes through your head? Now, y'all know I have often verbalized or called myself a helicopter parent. You know, I would be standing <laughs> out. At 10 I would literally be losing my mind at 10 o'clock. You know, I, I, I know me. You know, I would be like, you know, I would be one of those parents, you know, you got to be in by a certain time, you know, and I'm talking to you, you know, if, if you supposed to be, if it takes you a couple of minutes, you know, let's say 3.45, you're supposed to be home. I'm calling you. And you my, I'm still at school, you know, and I'm hearing all the children, you know, in the background. You know, I, I have listened to, you know, Brother Al because he works for school and there are certain times when, you know, the buses are coming by. They're all literally situated in the cafeteria, you know, according to their bus route, you know. And so can you imagine a slew full of, slew full of children? So not, not only that, when you think about it, you got two full of children in one place. You also have staff that is still sitting there because I can't leave until the children are off, you know, are off and on the bus. So there's all kinds of chaos. You know, there's, any kind of thing can happen at that time. You know, children hitting each other, you know, somebody getting into an accident. There's all kinds of stuff, you know. And now you're telling me that, you know, okay, so one bus, let's just say you have less staff. So you got a bus driver taking a set of children home. Then you got to reroute them back to the school to pick up more children. So nine times out of ten, you got staff that's exhausted. You got bus drivers that are exhausted. You got the bus matron that's exhausted, and the children are all over the place. And you know that's really, really. Ugh, I can't. You know that's all I see is trauma. All I see is trauma. Trauma for staff. Trauma for you know trauma for parents. Everybody seems to become, I mean, you know, having trauma except the children, you know, and and in some instances you probably have that because you have more instances and more occurrences where bullying can transpire. Mm. Oh wow! Oh, wow. And one other thing too, Pastor Steph, 
you know, um, I can remember even when I was at the other school because they had a shortage of bus drivers um, and bus drivers were calling off and what have you. And so that meant that even the aides, we would be ready to get off work at 4 o'clock and sometimes we would be stuck there until 5 o'clock with these kids couldn't go home because we had to stay wow. there and wait for the buses to get there to get the kids. Wow, this is this is a mess. This boy, yeah. what, there is a breakdown everywhere. Everywhere, everywhere. there's a breakdown. You, see, I mean, this this just no structure anywhere. That's crazy. That just fits right into what Lady Simica just got finished saying. Woo! They're on overtime, and they are, they're, they're at their wit's end already. Oh, my goodness. Shanti, 10 o'clock. Mariah's coming in the door. <laughs> like somebody been at a job. Ah! There is no way somebody would have gotten a phone call like, where, where are you? Stay right there. Don't move that bus. So I'm coming to get her. There is no way. And, and you know, it's funny. The first thing that came to mind was when I said to Tanisha, Mariah ain't getting on that school bus to go to camp again. Oh, she was like, yeah. oh, my gosh. You did that. You, you so Shut up. No. See, and, and look, look. No. No, thank you. It, it, was, it was just too much. It was just too much. There's a straight route to from where they picked them kids up, a straight route. All they had to go was down a block, and the only turn would be to make the turn to the school. And she's called, texting me, talking about he's making lefts and rights and all that. Why? There's a straight route. So now I'm on FaceTime with her the whole time. No, no, it's just too much pressure for everybody. And I do understand <laughs> that these other states are not like New York. You know, New York, and this is one of the reasons why I'm never leaving New York. Because you have, God forbid, your car break down. You can hop on a train. You can hop on a bus. You can hop on more than one type of train to get to your destination. There is no way you're telling me. So what, I'm supposed to cook dinner and put my child's plate in the oven like this, my man coming home from work late, so you come in from school at 10 o'clock. Okay, you know, go wash your hands. Get ready. No, that that is completely unacceptable and my mind just goes to because everyone's head is not where it should be just like you said pastor stuff they knew from last school year that there were areas that were lacking um people and lacking certain things and none of this was taken care of now you're just now thinking that is completely there is no way i could even no Mm -mm. how how do you how do you call how do you call the parents? Because you couldn't get me to call no parents and tell them that your child going to be coming home late. I wouldn't be the one to make those phone calls. I'm not doing it. How do you call the parents and tell them that your child is going to be 45 minutes late, let alone hours late? What are they doing? What are they doing on the bus this late? Or what are they doing at the school waiting for this one bus driver to make all of these rounds to drop these kids off, and what I think it was Lady Tamika said, that's one of my one of the uh, places my mind went to. So now you got moody, tired people 
working with your kids? Absolutely not. I've seen you say there's no there, there's no bus um, buses available right now. Get your kids to school how you see fit until we get enough drivers. Then for you to do that. Yeah, this 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 is this is chemical combustion. You know, the first thing one of the first things I think about is an irritable child who has been out since the morning, tired, cranky, on a tired, cranky bus driver's nerve. <laughs> right. And listen, we didn't all been in the car with some kids who was getting on your last Nerve and they your kids get on your last nerve and you turn around and look at them and say the next person who I'm putting you out I don't care if they call us I'm putting you out right there wherever you act them I'm putting you out and and think about the bus driver who has who hasn't been home who hasn't eaten who hasn't slept and and he or she is driving. A bunch of not not only that now the kids they they didn't fell asleep or they fussing and mm-hmm. fighting oh this is a mess boy I mean we could sit all day and think of the scenarios that would be going on and like you said um Shanti I ain't the one making that phone call uh uh-uh. uh you the superintendent you mm-hmm. can pay hundred thousand you make that phone call because there's nothing you can tell a parent and not only that mm-hmm. I remember when make school bus and you looking at that clock you're like okay what happened and I'm trying to remember as you all were talking I'm like did I have his phone number it was a it was a, a, a male bus driver and I I did have I did I did have his phone number and you know you would I would call just you know or text you know so he trying to read it he could at least read it when he stopped and sometimes like, the, 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 some parent wasn't there, he couldn't leave the child there, or, you know, something like that, some some small stall. And if you get enough stalls, that backs you up an hour. And, or traffic, or accident, or anything like that. And and think about 10 o'clock at night. 10 o'clock at night, your children are just walking through the door. And they have to get no up way. in the morning. You know, and think about that child who was the first one to get picked up. I always had to, my heart was always for the first child because they were always the last child to be dropped off, you know, on the way back home. And this this, this here, our school system is failing us miserably. Those, the powers that be, they are failing the students, they're failing the teachers, they're failing the, the other staff, they are failing the parents. Uh, 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 what are they being paid for? Because they are all asleep at the wheel. This, this, these stories here, it, this is horrible. Not for a system that has been in effect forever. This is nothing mm-hmm. new. This is nothing new. How do you now fall apart at, excuse me, at this point? Now, 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 ladies, 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 migrants. Haven't started going to school yet. That's all I know. Mm-hmm. Look, that's where my mind keeps going to pass the stuff. Where is your your head is not where it needs to be. So you got kids who now got to spend a night at school, but y'all taking care of these migrants. You got, y'all, y'all heads are over here, but now you, you ain't got enough teachers. So now parents got to pay for their kids to go somewhere else. 
and still have to have funds for their kids to go to school because even though school is free, parents still need money to send their kids to school. But your head is over here with these migrants. It's just like, it's, it's so ridiculous to me. This is why we're lacking in these areas because their heads are over here. And even with their heads being over there, y'all still not even taking care of the migrants the way you, you should. Because it's become too much. It's become too much. It's, it's atypical of just an individual who has taken on too much. After a while, you know, things begin to slip through the cracks. And things that are just like natural, that come natural, slip through the cracks. And and that's it. And I'm saying to myself, Pastor Kim, I may not be having what New York is having out in, in, in Michigan, but they're letting the people in. So these people are going to start moving around. So this is, this is an America problem. Now, what's going to happen when all these children get cleared to start going to school? You can't handle what you got. You about to try to handle what you're just taking in. This is one big, fat mess. One big mess. All right. Well, our wow story of the morning, uh, Prison God, ends up having a child who's still stillborn because she was at her job and was not allowed to leave. Supervisor told her, you're just lying, when she was complaining about pain. She's seven months pregnant. Your best answer is, you're just lying. Finally, she was able to leave two and a half hours later, drove herself to the hospital, could not find the baby's heartbeat upon arrival, and um, ended up the baby expired. So needless to say, big fat lawsuit. Um, you know, we we all know, and like I said, I don't know what goes on in Michigan, but here in in New York, one of the biggest things in in, in Rikers and and mainly Rikers, but some of the upstate um, prisons, you can't walk off those jobs. Once you're a correction officer, you cannot walk off those jobs. You are there for eight hours from the beginning, but you can easily end up being 12-hour shifts. Once you're there until the proper relief comes, you cannot leave. So here you are with a situation of being pregnant and working and some insensitive idiot, and I believe Vivian said it was a male supervisor is the one who gave the answer or the response, you're just lying. Oh, Lady Tamika, what are we talking about here? Yeah, that is, that's an extremely difficult situation. You know, and I I have a loved one who works for um, a facility, um, actually Rikers, by the way, Um, and there have been times where she literally can't leave. You know, you got children at home, you got situations, you know, you have a a livelihood outside of your workplace, you know, and, you know, I can't personally, you know, see, especially with me being, you know, in, in pain to that degree, see me 
not leaving because my health is paramount. So I'm here, I'm telling you I'm in pain, and you're telling me that I can't leave. However, I, I, I'm in so much pain, and this is something, you know, I have a high tolerance for pain. So if I'm telling you that I'm in pain and I can't really function, then I'm leaving, you know. Um, and, and I get, you know, I might be without a job, but I got a baby, you know. <laughs> that, that's kind of the way that I see it. It's a hardship, but you have to pick and choose, you know. And in this instance, she chose her job and ended up forfeiting the child's life. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man, I'm telling you, this here, this is some serious stuff here. Shanti. Well, it would be a man to say something like that. The first thing that came to mind for me was, what were you doing at work? There's just certain jobs you don't work when you're pregnant. Then I know of a woman who... Um, she now doesn't have to work, and I believe she still gets paid. But um, she used to be a, a CEO. I don't remember if she used to work at Rikers, but she was a correctional officer in one of those prisons and got into a fight with an inmate, a male inmate, and he banged her head up against the wall. And after that incident, wow. it was, her husband was like, okay, that's it. You know, I don't care. And she, she's built. She ain't no little prissy thing. She's built. So for me to even hear she had an altercation with a man was not surprising because she's one of those that's with it. Like, let's go. But once her husband found that out and everything, he was like, okay, don't, don't, I'm quitting for you. That's it. And it's just my thing was like, what? And I understand that everyone's circumstances are not the same. I understand that, you know, for for one woman, it could be, I don't care if I'm negative 25 cents. I'm pregnant. I could be two days pregnant. I ain't going, I ain't staying up in nobody's prison. And I don't care what my finances say. And then there are other people who are driven by fear and, and high concern a lot of the times where, like Lady Timothy said, they are going to choose the job over their physical health, you know. And unfortunately, because, you you know, you chose to go to work and, you know, she was probably thinking that, God forbid, if anything happened, I would be able to, you know, be excused and leave and, you know, go take care of something, even if it was just a scare, you know, because go. But unfortunately, because you have dum-dums working in any job, you know, in any job, um, that you were not allowed to leave, and now this is the result. You know, so I, I just think, unfortunately for her, this can't really say, like, lesson learned, but for anyone else, any other woman, you know, who's come across this story, is certain things just have to, certain decisions have to be made because they're, so, you know, and I, I do understand it's like, okay, for whatever protocols they have within the prisons, like, we can't just open doors at any time and because they have to make sure inmates are locked in and so on and so forth. But you just have to really, really, really be careful because this, I'm sure that they could have done something for her once she said, like, I'm feeling this, I'm feeling that. But the thought of you even having any level of baby bump and you're working in a prison is me just like, girl, what was happening? Mm. Yeah, that's, that's a bit much. Pastor Cam, you know, she feels locked in. Boss won't let her go. 
And when she finally is allowed to leave two hours later, unfortunately, this is the fate of her and her baby. So you said that she's not able to leave, and then when she is able to leave, then what happened to her and the baby? So what happened was she worked, she's a prison guard, and she's seven months pregnant, and she went to work, started experiencing some pain, uh, called the supervisor, told the supervisor that she wasn't feeling well, she was in pain. He told her, he thought, you're just lying. That's what he, that was what he was quoted to say. You're just lying. And she didn't mm-hmm. leave on her own. Finally, two and a half hours later, she was given permission to leave. And she drove herself to the hospital. When she got to the hospital, there was no heartbeat. They couldn't find a heartbeat. And ended up the baby was stillborn. And they told her had she gotten to the hospital earlier, had she gotten there sooner, she they probably could have saved the baby. But the delay is what um, you know caused the baby its life, and now needless to say, she's suing. So, absolutely, know, this is uh, this is crazy. Yeah, I would I would be suing too, you know, because you know if they simply just would have, I mean, first of all. If you see that a woman is is pregnant, you know, then you know that she's going to have um, some risks, some, um, you know, different things that happen with a woman that's carrying a baby. I mean, and especially, you know, I mean, I want to say that even women being pregnant and being at a prison, that, uh, I don't know if I would want to be on that kind of a job. You know, being a guard, being pregnant. And then, too, even if I was, I think that um, that women have to use wisdom and take their maternity leave in a timely manner to whereas um, if you should um, have your baby early or what have you, then at least you'll be at home or you'll be able to be somewhere where you can get to the doctor and and won't have to face situations like this, you know. But um, that's not to justify the fact that this woman is saying, look, I need to leave, and y'all are telling me I can't leave. You know, how do you tell somebody they can't leave? Me, myself, if it was me and I felt like, you know, hey, I need to go, then that's just, I'm just going to have to take my my chances and I'm just going to have to go and if y'all feel like y'all got to fire me or whatever, then I'll deal with that, you know, when the time comes. But if it was me and my child in my womb, I would have been gone. Mm. Or I would have I and- simply just called the ambulance or something if it was an emergency situation. Amen. Because I, sh- I know I would have been gone. When Vivian was talking, I said to myself, I would have had one time. To say to you, oh. listen, I'm in oh. pain. I need to go, and you could have answered mm-hmm. any. Here's the problem: I'm not asking permission. I'm telling. I'm not you. asking permission. My, right, <laughs> my I, I'm in some level of distress. I know this pain I'm feeling is not something that I've felt before, and I'm concerned. I'm punching mm-hmm. out. 
same. Yep. And simply that, and like you, you but all have said, I'm sorry, Pastor Seth. They have to be released, though, right? Like, they can't just walk out. Like, someone has to open the doors and stuff for them. Well, I'm I'm sure you don't have these people locked in like an animal. You ain't an inmate. You're not an inmate. Now, when you when you tell a person that they cannot leave, that's, you know, that's what you sign up for. You sign up for if you have not if you don't have a relief or if there's not enough staff, then you have to wait until you sign up for that. But that doesn't say that I can't leave literally. I'm not locked in and forbidden to leave. That's illegal. No, HR for 20 years, you could never do that to um, a person who is willingly working at a job. I don't care what the situation is. You know, like, like you all have said, you know you run the risk of losing your job, of being terminated, but you're not – prison. you know, because you're in a prison, it's no different than, um, you know, any other job. You can leave if you, if you really feel you want to or you some emergency or whatever the situation is. Um, you're not locked in like an inmate, you know. That, that's not the way it is. But you do – you do willingly sign up to have to wait for a relief system. And right. you can't leave until they say, okay, you know what, you know, someone is here to, to cover your shift, blah, 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 blah. So I would not have been asking anything. I would have no- notified you, listen, I'm not feeling well. This is something I've never felt before. I need to get up out of here. I'm not asking permission because I'm going to tell you something. Did we talk about this last week? I said when you are in labor, you got. They say you got one foot on a banana peel and one foot solid. That, that it could have been her. She could have died right there on that job. You are in just as much danger as the unborn child. So there would be no there would be no conversation. Hello, um, start a riot. Um, I'm sorry. Start a riot. I said no. Start a riot. Now everybody gets to leave. I don't leave. I'll hit this button. Open all these gates. Everybody leaving now. Thank you. <laughs> like what are you? Well, something what are you doing right now is not logical, Shanti. But you know, no, it's, you it's not. It's not it's not logical, but neither is you looking at a woman who looked like her water about to break. And because again, it was something else we were talking about, and it's like you can't always be in the mind of someone that sounds like. Now I've never been pregnant, but from what I hear, from all the women I've been around, that that sounds like a desperate measures type of situation. And you're telling me that I can't leave, and I'm feeling something I'm feeling pain and you're saying no and you're being ignorant about it how are you now telling anybody and on the outside looking in of course it's like okay no you you can't at the same time it's why are you going to push someone to not even consider to possibly do any even if it wasn't that to do anything you don't know where this woman's head could have been that's why I asked that well, again, because certain 
Go ahead, Pastor Steph. I'm sorry. It, it's a it, it's a power trip. That's all it is. Right. And if whoever said, not, I think it was you said, I'm, I'm not surprised it was a man. I mean, you know, right. there, there were just, some men are just insensitive. You know, look at what what we talked about last week when the, the, it was his it was the girlfriend who was having the baby and he was at my house. She was embarrassing him. So you know, there's just some people that are just plain and simply insensitive. And you know, this right now was about a power trip, and I'll tell you why. There's no way in the world you already know this woman is seven months pregnant. And how do you know in his head he wasn't saying you ain't got no business here, no way. You came in here, you took the risk. You know mm-hmm. you can't just walk about to, you know, you don't know what goes on in a person's head, and unfortunately, that's you know that's what she ran up against. But I, I, I for one, would not have been asking anything. Like you both all have said, mm-hmm. this is something that I'm saying, and this is not something he says you're lying. Okay, well we'll, we'll find out if I'm lying later. You know when when mm-hmm. I get to the hospital. It, w- it just wouldn't have been. And, you know, you do take into consideration that, you know, person feels like, oh, they need their job or so forth and so on. But if you're going through some level of distress that you've never felt before, you really can't, you know, take those type of chances. So, unfortunately, you know, this is something, you know, you pursue, you know, yeah, you'll have money, but it doesn't, you know, unfortunately take care of the experience. Um, and hopefully he won't have a job to be insensitive to anyone else. Now, ladies, if he's insensitive to her, can you imagine what he must be doing to the inmates? He might be friends with the inmates. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Am I making any sense here, Lady Tamika? Absolutely. Um, I have, um, well, it's not that I know anybody, you know, per se, but I I was reading this book on how um, inmates can be treated. You know, you telling them that you have an issue and you're supposed to take your medicine at a certain time, you know, they don't particularly care, you know, and I'm not saying that all of them are that way. So I don't want to give everybody a bad name, but you do have some individuals, that, that sounds like a personal problem. You know, and, you know, now the person is having seizures. We've even also heard, you know, um, there's been, you know, things that have been verbalized about how somebody was supposed to take their medicine or how they were supposed to have at least a vent in the room um, with, at the facility that they're in and they died because nobody checked on them. And, you know, there's all kinds of stuff that can, can happen in, in that type of, you know, presence, you know, and, and so, of course, you know, a life can be jeopardized because you're not doing your job. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, well, Shantisha, you have your off-the-beat uh, statement. You might be friends with the inmates, but, I mean, this is just indicative of the insensitivity of those who are in power in Thank these you. prisons. What'd you say? And I said I I agree with that. I agree with that as well. I I agree that he could very well be um, very high likely chance that 
that's the same treatment he gives to the inmates because if it was a scenario like you brought up where he's figuring, well, you ain't have no business here anyway working in this condition, then he could be saying that about the criminals. You know, well, you're here because you did something wrong, so I don't have to treat you nice. Mm-hmm. Easily. Easily. Pastor Tim, do you see the likelihood in that? Oh, absolutely. You know, so if you would be insensitive to a pregnant woman um, about to have a baby, you know, the, the, the inmates wouldn't have a chance. Mm-hmm. You know, because yep. you, have, you have proven that you have um, no respect for... Um, for just people across the board. You know, God forbid if he had a wife and children, you know, how they would be treated or whatever. You know, no compassion whatsoever. So, you know, that's that's just an unfortunate situation all the way around. Absolutely, absolutely. I around. don't see Yeah, I don't see him being sensitive to anyone who you feel got themselves in that situation because again I could eat I've heard I've heard insensitive comments, you know, from the top. You know, last few jobs I had I worked right in the mouth of, you know, we were at the top. And some of the comments that were made, I was like, Good Lord. You know, I was a payroll administrator. And, of course, I have, you know, the, the, the CFO and the controller above me. And if somebody came in, you know, and they were like, well, you know, my paycheck is short and the supervisor or the manager turned in the hours wrong, they were like, well, you know, New York State, we, you don't have to pay. Certain, certain states, if, we, if, if anybody was short, I mean, as much as an hour, and it was because of a supervisor or a manager, by law, we were mandated. I would have to cut a check for that hour, and now you're going to eat it in taxes, but I had to because that was the law. In New York, as long as we promised and we made a, if we made a commitment to put it in your next check, whether you got paid weekly, biweekly, semi-monthly, or bimonthly, they call it, um, it was good. That was good enough. And that that would be their attitude. You know, well, let them wait. And I ain't talking about no one hour either. Well, they could wait. I mean, how do you know they could wait? How do you know that? Because you got on a white shirt and a tie. That don't mean they could wait. I said, listen, I'm putting this check. You don't know whether that's their milk money. That could be their car fare. That could be it, it's something to rent. We don't. We can't make those kind of uh, of assumptions that they can wait. It wasn't their fault. Now, if it was their fault, by all means, you may have to take that hit. But that's something I've, I've heard the insensitivity um, coming from above. So I could easily see that if this was your coworker, someone who legitimately had a job, and you were that insensitive, I can't see you being nice to any inmate. And this is what our prisons are made of, and this is why it is such a bad situation behind those walls because of people like this. Oh, ladies, it's been a pleasure. 
this morning. I haven't, you know, this chat with you. Thank you so much for participating this morning and your contribution into this conversation has been wonderful. Thank you so much, and we pray you have a blessed day. Thank you for joining us, Pastor Kim, on a whim. Thank you for having me. I love you all. Have a wonderful day. Thank you, you too. Thank you. All right. Enjoy, ladies. Well, you know what? We have not, because we haven't been on all week, We haven't had an opportunity to hold hands and hold hearts. So let me take this opportunity to do just that. Hmm. Heavenly Father God, we come before you and we give you thanks. Thank you so much for being just kind enough to introduce us and invite us into your day. Thank you, dear Heavenly Father, that you love us better than we love ourselves at times. Thank you for investing in us just one more time. And dear Heavenly Father, as we converse about these different situations, Lord, we ask that you just cover this migrant situation. You know, we know that the weather is shifting and these tent cities are temporary. And when the weather comes, What's going to happen? Housing is not going to magically appear. So, Lord, as we have talked about the migrant situation, the school situation where they don't have enough teachers, we've talked about the school bus drivers, they don't have enough school bus drivers, God. We've talked about the, the, the powers that be in the prison system. This world, they really literally throwing their hands up. They could care less about your people. They care less about one another. Nothing matters. It's just such a selfish act of living. And Lord, we just ask you to just touch the hearts of your people. Those who have committed themselves to you that we would stand up and we could take a stand for, for righteousness' sake. That we would be the ones who would show the love and the concern in putting things in its right order. There's no reason why people are living in tents who have been invited here under the guise of this is a better situation than where they come from. There's no reason why our children have to be at risk of being home or under certain conditions because there's a school. There's no reason why our teachers should have to be pressured to endure certain situations. There's no reason why our school bus drivers should have to endure driving all day and our children and our parents are suffering. This is how we are just disconnected from one another. So it's going to take those of us who have committed ourselves to you. Those of us who want to do right, who want to love someone as they would want to be loved, care 
for someone as they would want to be cared for. Touch our hearts, God. Touch our hearts that we would think of someone else before we thought of ourselves. That we would love on a higher level. That we would care on a higher level. That these basics, God, these, this, this is not even something that's huge. Just basics, God. This is where your people are left. This is what we're left to. This is what our children are left to. The adults who just don't care. And, Lord, we're calling on you. We're calling on you for your help. We're calling on you, God, to cover us, to cover our children. We're calling on you, God, to just raise your people up. Let us not walk around like we don't see, we don't hear. Let us not walk around like we don't know, we don't understand. Let us not walk around like we don't, we we really don't have anything to lose because we do. We do. And again, Lord, we're calling on you. Your word says, if my people who are called by my name. So we're standing up, God, and we're saluting. And we're, we're ready, willing, and able. We ask you, God, to give us the ability to make that difference. That we won't just be left to talk about it, but that we would be given an opportunity to make that difference. Whatever little bit it takes or whatever great movement that needs to be made, we ask you, God, to equip us, to prepare us, to put the love of your people on our hearts and in our minds so that we can love you your word says that Jesus said, you don't, you don't love me, you don't love man. Because when I was sick, when I was hungry, when I was in prison, you did nothing for me. And if we were to start thinking on this thing differently, then this world would shift. We know that the enemy is the prince of this world, God. But we don't have to give him the ability that he has. If we start standing up one by one in our own families, then it can go in those houses, the row of houses, in that building, on that block, in that neighborhood, in that county, in that city, in that state, and in that nation or country, God. So we're asking you to equip us. Well, we don't have a clue, but you would just point us in the right direction. We know you have the answers. We know you have the ability. We know that you can change this all. We pray, God, that we reach out. We reach out more so that more people would get to know you, that more people would love because they would feel your love through us. Thank you again for introducing yourself to us. Thank you, God, for just strengthening us today as we're talking about it. It's encouraging us to do more. And we give you the glory and the honor. So rightly be your name. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Mm. 
you know, um, as I continue to read these new stories and, you know, comment on them each and every day, you really do get to see the breakdown of this world. You really get to see the the disconnect, how people just drop the ball. It doesn't matter to them if it's not touching them. And that's the way the average person is. As long as it doesn't affect them, they're good. It doesn't reach their home. Like I said, you know, I used to see it right at the job. You know, you go home every day, you eat me. You're going home every day to a big bank account. But there are people who don't have what you have. And we have to be much more sensitive. We have to be much more sensitive. We cannot walk around as though, you know, as long as it's not us, I'm good. And that's what we're finding in this world. There's no way in the world you're telling me we're, we're talking about these things here as though these things could not have been prevented. There's no way in the world that you could not have prevented having to put people on, on the grounds of a mental facility. No reason. No reason at all. Why invite the people here? Why open up the doors if you could not take care of these people better than you are. How could you possibly open up the doors to a bunch of migrants, foreigners, when you weren't even taking care of home? That would be like you not feeding your home, your family, but you open up the door to the neighbors and tell them, come on in. I, I cooked. That's exactly what that's equivalent of. There's no reason why our children should be left in the conditions that they're in. No reason. And again, it's just a breakdown. People don't want to work. People don't want to work. It, it, it's just, you know, they want a the job, but they don't want to work. They want the paycheck, but they don't want to work. And it's going to take God's people, the people that care, to really step up and do something. It's time for us to stop going to church, stop being those seat fillers, and it's time for us to merge our minds, merge our resources, merge our pennies to make it happen. We can't just sit back and talk about it. But we're going to have to make sure we do things that are that's community-based, that helps, that equips other people, that show other people love and encourage them to get up and to go do their job or to go get a job. If you find someone who's lackluster about life, who really doesn't have any incentive, take the time. Take the time to love them. Take the time to encourage them. Take the time to just hold their hand. And I, I know it takes a lot of patience because we can't even handle some of our family members. We can't even handle some of our children. But you know what? You got to pray and ask God for that strength. He will give it to you. Because he says, I don't want to see any of my people perish. I don't want to see anybody perish. So it's going to take us 
reaching out and helping one another. We, we, really, we really have no other choice but to step up and do the right thing. So let me encourage you today, listen to the ladies talk. Do you hear what's going on in the school system with Pastor Kim? You've got how many people with it? I mean, with an expired credential. Expired credentials. How do you let that expire? It's almost like your driver's license. Do you let your driver's license expire? We're going to have to start taking better care of our responsibilities. And sometimes it means just having that little conversation with somebody. Have you ever had a conversation with someone and that person, like, never even thought of something that just came natural to you? And you just, you scratch your head like, Lord, you didn't think about that? Well, I have a tagline. God don't give us everything. Some people have all the book sense, and they have no common sense. <laughs> and then you find someone with all the common sense, but they really struggle in the educational part. But God doesn't give you everything. He doesn't. He gave you everything. If he gave you everything, then you wouldn't need him. So we're going to have to exercise that patience, that love. Look at that long-suffering. There we go. That of fruit and spirit. Long-suffering. Grab a friend. Grab someone who does not have what you have and offer everything that God has offered you. You have, I mean, you've got to be looking at somebody right now. You've got to be thinking about somebody right now. And you're saying, you know what? That's Mary. That's John. That's Joe. Well, if God is bringing someone to your mind, then that means you got to be on a job. So come on. Let's be workers in his vineyard. You've been listening to It's Due Time with Pastor Steph. Join us Monday through Friday from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. where we discuss matters of the heart, mind, and spirit. As you go through your day, be sure to set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. They will only serve as a distraction. Remember, prayer changes things. It's Pastor Steph signing off, and I want to thank my two-time crew, the ladies, for always coming through big time. Thank you for hanging out with us. Please do not miss this opportunity to give Christ your life right now. Do not miss this opportunity to just strengthen that relationship with the Lord right now because later is not promised to any of us. Until tomorrow, God spares, where it's Therapeutic Thursday. Until then, I love you.